Hello and welcome to the Gestalt IT Rundown for December 23rd, 2020. My name is Tom Hollingsworth and I am your jovial host and joining me is the jolliest guy outside of the nuthouse, Mr. Stephen Foskett. Stephen, thanks for joining us today. Ho, ho, ho. Glad to be here, Tommy. All right. Well, I'm, I'm hoping that you brought me something other than coal this year because Lord knows the news cycle brought us so much stuff, so much stuff, in fact, that you probably forgot about a bunch of things that we've covered on the rundown over the last 52 weeks. And because of that, we want to make a very special episode just to kind of cover some of the big stories that happened over the year and, and give you some perspective on the decade that was 2020. So we're going to jump in with uh, News or Naw. You know, it's one of our favorite segments. However, we're going to do a very special News or Naw, which is an acquisition edition. So we're going to run down some of the biggest stories from people getting bought or buying other people this year. And uh, Stephen and I are going to kind of riff on it real quick and just kind of tell you, did this end up being news or will it end up being news later? Great, Tom. So let's dive into some of these things and start back in February, turn by the Wayback Machine back, uh, when we uh, heard that Arista bought Big Switch and that RSA was planning on going private. Both of those happened in our Feb or were announced in our February 19th episode. Uh, what do you think of those two? I, end, I think Arista ended up being the bigger story. Uh, Big Switch has become a huge part of them. Uh, RSA going private, I'm still waiting to see if that's going to end up being a big deal or not. Um, Stephen, back on March 11th, NVIDIA announced that they were going to be buying Swift Stack. Um, how did this end up? Well, frankly, um, NVIDIA getting into software is a really good thing. And as we've learned uh, throughout the year, uh, software is basically Intel's secret uh, superpower. And uh, NVIDIA getting some of that superpower mojo is a very, very good thing. News from March 11th. Tom, let's step forward to April 1st. Uh, Palo Alto announced that they were buying Cloudgenics, two familiar field day companies. Yes, very familiar, and I love this acquisition because it gives Palo Alto something they were missing, and based on what I'm hearing from both companies, this is going to be a huge thing in 2021. Um, Stephen, uh, part of a bigger story that we may cover a little bit here in just a minute, but back on April 22nd, China approved the acquisition of NVIDIA buying Mellanox. Absolutely. And it was about time too. that acquisition had been announced for a long time. It was sitting there parked on the shelf waiting for Mofcom and they did it. And frankly, uh, my experience uh, with NVIDIA um, has been that Mellanox has made a big impact in the company and will continue to make it. I'm saying news. So two weeks later, NVIDIA picked up Cumulus Networks. Again, let's jump back to my Swift stack comment, uh, you know, and NVIDIA's acquisition of Cumulus in May was a continuation of this software story. Let's call it news. Um, also, uh, the next month, June 3rd, Tom, uh, Cisco announced they were buying a very familiar field day face, Thousand Eyes. I like this acquisition because it gave Cisco a lot of visibility into some bigger internet things, and the, ac the integration of those two things seems to be proceeding very nicely. Excellent, excellent. Can you say the same about the Zscaler acquisition of Edgewise Networks, which we announced in that same episode? So Edgewise presented at one of our Security Field Day events, and they had a really interesting zero trust perspective on things. I'm kind of curious to see where Zscaler is going to take this. So I'm going to give this one maybe news next year. Um, now, Stephen, one of our favorite stories that kept hopping up throughout the year, uh, back on June 24th, we uh, reported that Dell was looking to spin off VMware. Uh, with, that didn't come to fruition, but did this end up kind of making the news cycle? Well, it certainly made the news cycle, but I'm going to call this nah, a big fat nah, because it didn't happen. So, oh, well, maybe it'll happen in the future. Yeah. Um, moving past down to July, SUSE 
said they were going to acquire Rancher Labs back on July 8th. Man, this looks prescient after the uh, Red Hat, uh, you know, CentOS uh, thing and everything. Um, I think this is a great, great move for SUSE, and it puts them up there with Red Hat as a competitor in the uh, Kubernetes space. And frankly, I'm a Rancher user, and I love the product. In that same episode on July the 8th, we announced that VMware was going to buy Datrium. Oh, yeah. And this has been a hit. VMware announced at our Tech Field Day event, actually, they brought in the Datrium folks or the ex-Datrium folks and talked about VMware's disaster recovery as a service. It is now very clear to me what VMware is going to be doing with Datrium. And I think that it's going to be a good, good move on their part. Also, um, you know, I doubt that it costs much money. I say this is profitable. It is news. Yeah, back on July 15th, we announced that SoftBank was looking to offload their assets for ARM. Well, the news didn't come on July 15th. The news came a little bit later in the year, but uh, I think this everybody's still buzzing about this. Uh, hint, hasn't happened yet. Um, also in that same episode, Tom, in July 15th, we talked about HPE buying Silver Peak. What do you think of that? I'm thinking this ended up being news because it was about time that Aruba built a data center class SD-WAN solution instead of the SD branch that they were running. And uh, this looks like it's going to pay off handsomely for those folks. Um, Stephen, uh, as we said, uh, back on 8.5, uh, NVIDIA was reported to be the buyer for ARM. Uh, and, you know, any comments here? Well, it will be news if it happens. I am putting my money down saying it won't happen. Um, as I talked about in a special episode of the Checksum, uh, go back and check that out on gestaltit.com. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to be news. I think ARM's going to go a different direction. Yeah. Um, September the 9th, uh, progress picked up Chef. Um, I love Chef. Everybody loves Chef. Um, and this is an active space of, uh, you know, uh, you know, configuration management, everything. Um, yeah, yeah, good, good, good acquisition. Nice on you, progress. All right, uh, September twenty third, uh, Pure Storage picked up Portworks. Home run, absolutely. Pure ended up walking away with easily the best of the Kubernetes storage stories, um, and they have made hay with it. The, this is awesome. Good job, Pure. All right, same episode, we talked about Western Digital separating disk and flash. I think you have an opinion on this one. I do have an answer on this one, Tom. Um, Western Digital separating disk and flash is all about the Wall Streets. So essentially, uh, nobody could see the value of the flash business because it was buried under the value of the disk dinosaur. By separating them out, it exposed the true value of Western Digital's flash business, which is tremendous. Go look at the WDC stock chart since that date, and you will see that this was brilliant. All right, the acquisition steamroller picked up in October. On the 7th, we announced that VMware was going to be buying SaltStack. Well, we'll see where that goes. Uh, I don't know if it's news yet, but uh, might be. Um, also on that same episode, Tom, we announced that Juniper was buying NetRounds. Yeah, um, this one's probably going to take a little bit longer for them to pay off. I would say this was not as much news as some of their other acquisitions a little bit later in the year. Um, back on the 14th, we looked into the rumor mill and saw that AMD might be buying Xilinx. This goes to my theory that we are seeing an emerging, um, you know, trio of uh, CPU and data center component powerhouses here. So we've talked about Intel. We've talked about NVIDIA. Now we talk about AMD. This is AMD competing with Intel. Uh, we'll see if it's news or not, if they can pull it off. Uh, Tom. 
just the week later, uh, October 21st, Juniper announced they're going to be buying uh, Field Day friendly uh, 128 networks. I think this was a bigger story than NetRounds because Juniper was rounding out their SD-WAN portfolio. And kind of like I said with Aruba, you can either build it yourself or buy somebody. And I think the companies that built it themselves found out it was a lot better to buy somebody else who'd been building. Um, Steven, same episode on the 21st, SK Hynix was going to pick up Intel's NAND business. Man, this took Intel by surprise, or at least Intel folks by surprise, I think. Um, this is a big deal, uh, and this is a smart deal. This is basically Intel focusing on higher margin, Optane, um, you know, persistent memory, and, um, you know, ditching the uh, lower, lower margin NAND flash while it's still worth some money. Um, if it happens, by the way, this hasn't happened yet, but when it completes, I think this is going to be a smart move for Intel. All right, dropping down into or November, November the 11th, StoreCentric picks up Violin Systems. Now, I'm not sure that this is specifically news, but if you don't know who StoreCentric are, uh, they've acquired a lot of great companies, and I think maybe take a look at it because they're trying to build a new enterprise IT powerhouse. All right, uh, jumping into December now. On the 2nd, we announced that Salesforce would be buying Slack. Oh, and everybody gnashed their teeth and rended their garments, but I think it's going to be fine. Um, on the 9th of December, we announced that Google was going to be buying Actifio. Actifio, a familiar field day family as well. Um, basically, uh, you know, they needed uh, somebody to come in and save them. They got it. They got the Google, um, which is not a bad one to get. And frankly, this helps Google in the enterprise space, which Amazon is absolutely killing them in. So uh, that's a good move for Google. Tom, one more acquisition here on that episode. Juniper buying Appstra took us by surprise. Took us by surprise, but I think this was the home run. When you look at the great stuff that Appstra has been doing for the last few years, this integrates very nicely with Junos. And I think ultimately is going to be the most handsome acquisition that they've made over the years. Um, this is going to have huge impact on the networking space you know, going into 2021. Tom, let's turn our attention to a little bit more long-form discussion now. Um, on our January 8th episode, uh, you talked a little bit about how CCPA, which went into effect on uh, January 1st, uh, though it was delayed, uh, was going to impact the industry. Um, what's been your uh, look at that ever since? I, I think that this has really made it important for companies to start realizing that leaking your data everywhere on the internet is going to be a big problem going forward. I mean, we saw GDPR come out a couple of years ago, but nobody really knew anything about how that was going to be enforced. In fact, the first American enforcement of GDPR happened late this year. But I think CCPA is serious just because so many companies are headquartered in Silicon Valley and California has always had some very robust laws around protecting privacy, that this has forced companies to really sit up and pay attention because the fines can get out of hand real fast. Yeah, absolutely, man. This is the gift that keeps on giving. We have been hearing about CCPA and GDPR all year long. In fact, we just heard of that, uh, you know, Twitter got a GDPR fine uh, recently. Um, I, man, I think that this may end up being the biggest story from 2020 that's not COVID. Yeah, exactly. Well, speaking of that, um, 2020 forced a lot of companies to re-examine the way that they did their conferences. Now, of course, Stephen, you and I got to go to RSA in late February, and kind of after that, the entire world locked down. 
um, we started seeing a lot of news stories popping up in the March timeframe throughout the rest of the year of conferences that had gone digital. Uh, just to kind of read off some of the lists, Cisco Live, VMworld, Microsoft Ignite. In fact, all Microsoft events are virtual through the first half of 2021. Gartner canceled their events uh, for the year. O'Reilly got out of the conference business. That was huge news. Black Hat, DEF CON, yes, something finally canceled DEF CON. And as we get to the, the tail end of 2020, we're already starting to see that a lot of conferences are not only going digital, but they're, sh they're changing the dates and they're changing the way that they're putting things on. Um, Steven, you and I basically have spent a lot of our careers at these in-person conferences. How did this affect the way that people do business with everything going digital this year? Yeah, my take on this is actually a little less related to COVID and a little more related to the fact that most conferences have kind of sucked. Um, the truth is that we've been basically uh, running on autopilot with conferences and expos. You know, okay, well, we need a giant show floor to pay for the giant conference. Oh, well, we need a giant conference to attract people to the giant show floor. It's, it's like a, an endless loop of nonsense. And frankly, uh, that was ended in uh, 2020. And I think it's going to be ended for good. And I think it's going to be ended for good the other way, too, because frankly, I just don't like giant trade floor expo, you know, 20,000 people at the Moscone kind of events anyway. And so I'm kind of glad to see them go. That being said, uh, most of the digital conferences have sucked even more. And so I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, companies can do with digital that's a little bit more novel. I think that maybe AWS reInvent was a good example of a conference that uh, basically dispensed with the whole pretend conference thing and tried to just focus on the, uh, the outcome. I think it worked pretty well for them, though I wish that it wasn't the entire month of December. Yeah. Tom, another story that we talked about in the first part of the year was uh, the Amazon Jedi lawsuit. Remember that? Um, so on March 11th, we talked about the fact that uh, the judge uh, said that the lawsuit has merit. And then there was some more news later in the year. Uh, whatever happened with that thing? It's still going on. AWS just filed a brief to restart this puppy about a week ago. Uh, we're not going to see the end of this anytime soon. And in fact, for those of you who are watching outside of the US, we, there's an administration change that's going to be coming up next month. And I still don't think that this is going to be the end of it, simply because there's too many big players involved. There's too big of a customer, too big of a prize to fight over. And there's just enough hinkiness on the back end that makes you think that somebody had their thumb on the scale. So I'm excited to be able to be reporting about this probably through the rest of 2021 at the rate we're going. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, I think that this is big news simply because the federal government is getting into the cloud. I think that's great. Um, I am <laughs> uh, always wary of political um, input into uh, architectural decisions, but what can you do? Yeah. Speaking of which, Stephen, uh, looks like back in July, as we were going through the archives, we found out that the uh, government was starting to suspend H-1B visas for people coming in, uh, on shore to start working. And H-1Bs are a huge source of uh, tech industry workers. Stephen, this ended up being a pretty big deal when you think about it. Absolutely. And I would say this isn't just like the conference thing. This is an example where um, the uh, pandemic has shaken loose uh, a situation that was kind of untenable anyway. But uh, this one's kind of the opposite direction. So those of you who don't know, uh, you know, H-1B is basically the visa that allows talented um, uh, folks from other countries to come to the U.S. to work here physically, and it's typically used uh, by tech companies. In fact, many tech companies are very, very <laughs> uh, 
full of wonderful international folks who came over here with their, you know, PhDs and are doing incredible work. Um, shutting down these visas, which the administration did do, um, was a tremendously terrible decision. Um, it's a tremendously terrible decision, mainly because it's, you know, literally shooting our tech industry in the foot. It's also, uh, frankly, shooting America in the foot, because what's going to happen is that these tech companies are going to look around and say, wait, people can work remote? Like, that guy can stay in, you know, Shanghai or Hyderabad or, you know, Melbourne or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, let's let him stay there and uh, have, have them work there. That's what's going to happen. This is absolutely a massive story because essentially this is going to kill, um, you know, Silicon Valley housing prices, maybe Austin uh, housing prices. Um, it's also, you know, frankly, going to move jobs offshore and overseas, and it's going to shake the companies loose from Silicon Valley once and for all, which is kind of a thing that we've seen later in the year. Tom, another story that we uh, keeps giving this year is ransomware. Um, essentially, we've seen a lot of ransomware uh, in the past, but this year, uh, one of the big angles on it was that it was starting to steal data, basically exfiltrate data before encrypting it. Well, you know, this is funny to me because it is the genesis of watching ransomware scammers morphing their business model because it used to be like if you use a, like a, some kind of a crypto locker we'll lock up your data and you pay us and you get it back and what has everybody been saying all year long don't pay don't give them money so now they've said well you know what we're going to do that but first we're going to take the data and then we're going to threaten to release the data if you don't pay us to unlock it if you're just going to try to restore it from backup and that has some people scared and when you look at something like the garmin outage that happened uh that we reported on back in the on the 29th of july Garmin basically had to kind of come and 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 bow down at the feet of the government and say, please let us pay these ransomware operators so that we can get our stuff back. Otherwise, nothing's going to work. And the government said, OK, but then like the Treasury Department released these notes uh, that were saying, if you try to pay somebody who's under some kind of a sanction, like some of the North Korean APT crews, we're going to throw a very big book at you. And this has changed the way that these companies kind of act with each other. And I'll tell you, if you're not listening to the Risky Business Podcast, friend of the show, Patrick Gray, he does a great job of running down some of these stories each week. And I swear to you, every week we have a story about someone getting crypto lockered, some APT crew getting sanctioned by the U.S. federal government. And even up to this week where we're talking about the possibility of U.S. Cyber Command being split up from the NSA to kind of start going after these people, this is a developing story that's not going to change anytime soon because the ransomware crews want to get paid. We don't want to have to pay, but we also don't want to get caught flat-footed. And that interesting little dance is going to kind of really dictate the way that we respond to these people amping up their attack surfaces. Now, Stephen, uh, we're kind of getting close to the end of the year, and we're at uh, VMworld. And one of the big announcements that came out of VMworld was VMware's Project Monterey. It was something that involved a lot of companies in the industry kind of coming together to look forward at some new hardware and some new services that could be offered. And you were all the way up in this one, Stephen. Uh, what are your thoughts on VMware's Project Monterey? Yeah, this was a really interesting story because VMware essentially partnered with uh, a number of companies who were creating smart NICs or data processing units, DPUs, um, and uh, basically made hay with this new technology. This is an architectural change for VMware because it means that vSphere can offload uh, from the CPU and CPU memory onto, uh, you know, smart uh, PCIe cards in the servers, and essentially it's a paving the way to disaggregation. 
It was also big news because, frankly, uh, Pensando is a, you know, a big news story of the year. Uh, you know, this is a, a company founded by uh, some very, very famous Silicon Valley people who are making these um, smart uh, network cards. Um, we also, uh, you know, Intel, uh, VMware was also partnered with Intel, with Mellanox, and with Nebulon, another uh, big uh, startup announcement this year. And um, I think that uh, essentially this is um, another step into breaking down the barriers of server architecture. Uh, it's been a big story. Uh, the Tech Field Day presentations were really, really great. They've gotten a ton of, ton of views. And uh, frankly, this is a great move for VMware. I'm very, very impressed with Project Monterey. Mm -hmm. So Tom, uh, one of the stories that you were looking at, uh, and I know that IBM is dear to your heart, uh, uh, in October, IBM announced that they're splitting into two companies. Yeah, um, the Red Hat acquisition, if you could even call it that, I think it was more of a merger, um, really shaped the way that IBM looked at things. And I, I know we kind of chuckle about the fact that IBM isn't Tom Watson's IBM anymore. I feel like I say that at least once a month. Um, but IBM realized that they needed to make a change. And the best way to do that is to bring in a hot product, a hot company, and have them shape corporate culture. And if you think of IBM as the old stoic AS400 big iron company, you're not far off. And that's why they needed Red Hat to kind of shape that culture. And then this announcement that they were really splitting into two companies, Red Hat was getting all the cool technology and IBM was getting all the cash cows that are gonna keep it running for a little while longer, ended up being something that kind of told us where the real brains were going to be in the organization when it all settled out. And I'm, I'm optimistic, but I think ultimately here, the real story comes down to what you used to think of as IBM is gone and it is not coming back. Yeah. I, I would like to chime in there on Red Hat. So this is a company that I'm very close to, um, you know, they've done tech field day events all year long with me, um, you know, including an exclusive event, um, uh, back in, in the, earlier in the year and then uh, appearing at Cloud Field Day and Tech Field Day and AI Field Day. Um, you know, clearly Red Hat is bringing some much needed mojo into the new IBM. And um, I think that uh, some of the wags are calling it, you know, Blue Hat or, you know, Red IBM or IBM Hat or something like that. No, 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 that's not what this is. Um, this is absolutely a shot in the arm of the of the sort that IBM has repeatedly received over the years. If you've studied the history of IBM, uh, this company knows how to get a shot in the arm and they're getting one from Red Hat. Um, and it's, uh, frankly, it's looking pretty good. Yeah. Well, Stephen, uh, we alluded to it a little bit with the H-1B story, but one of the things that we kind of saw that was interesting about the way that the, uh, the whole pandemic kind of shaped the IT landscape was the fact that Silicon Valley had to make some really hard choices this year. Uh, the very first thing we saw was a lot of folks saying, listen, you need to stay home. You need to work from home as much as possible. And, and hat tip to all the IT departments that basically worked tirelessly to make that happen. But as that started occurring, one of the things that we started seeing was now Silicon Valley isn't requiring you to move to Silicon Valley to do jobs that quite honestly probably should have been done remotely anyway. But the catch is we're also not going to pay you like you live in Silicon Valley. We're going to pay you as you live where you work. And so that was reducing a lot of salaries across the board for a lot of different people. And then towards the tail end of the year, we started hearing big news that a lot of companies are taking a very hard look at how much they're paying to rent a building in Santa Clara and Sunnyvale. And they just pulled up and moved. I mean, HPE, Oracle, they're moving to Texas. We're starting to see other companies move to places like Denver. And I don't think the flight is going to end anytime soon. 
No, I think that this is all connected. And frankly, this should be the big story of the year, if not for one that we're going to drop right after this hint. Um, but essentially, yeah, the pandemic showed a lot of companies, including our company, that, you know, people can work from home. Um, you know, people don't necessarily have to come into the office every day in order to get their job done. Um, you know, offices can transform. Offices can be more, um, you know, kind of hotel and meeting space for employees uh, than, you know, a, a place where you sit every single day. And I think that uh, every company has learned this. And frankly, the Silicon Valley companies, again, this was long overdue. Yeah, they looked at the real estate market. They looked around them in, uh, you know, places like you mentioned, you know, especially, you know, expensive ones, you know, Palo Alto and everything. And, and they said, you know what? No, this is not necessarily what we need to spend our, you know, money on. We can, you know, domicile somewhere else. We can still have employees here. We can still have a small office here. I don't think it's the end of Silicon Valley. But at the same time, we don't necessarily need to have everybody move to, you know, Cupertino in order to have, uh, you know, people uh, work for a tech company. Um, and then there's also these, you know, these attractive uh, alternate locations. You know, you mentioned Austin. Austin is a wonderful city that's being ruined by California people moving there from Silicon Valley. Yes, yes, Austin people. I hear you groaning. Um, it's a wonderful city uh, with a great quality of life, and it's um, you know marginally cheaper than living in uh, Mountain View. So why not move there? And I think that this is just the beginning of the story. Soon we're going to see companies relocating to Houston, to Dallas, uh, you know maybe places like Atlanta and you know Raleigh Durham, um, you know Denver. You mentioned um, companies don't need to be in Silicon Valley. They don't need to be in California. And a lot of the companies too are seeing a big benefit financially and organizationally to relocating to a friendly, uh, read cheap and low regulation business environment like Texas. Um, I think this is uh, you know part of a big story here. Companies are gonna be moving. Companies are moving uh, because of a lot of different reasons and the pandemic basically opened the door and showed them that they could move. So I hinted there that there was another big story this year. Frankly, this is basically where we should have closed the door and said, wow, that's a good bookend on this pandemic affected year, you know, companies moving out of Silicon Valley. Um, but then something dropped. Uh, in, uh, on December 9th, we reported, uh, as did a lot of other sources, that uh, FireEye had been hacked. Well, since then, there's a lot more details that come out. And frankly, I'm sorry, but this has got to be the bookend story this year, Tom. Yeah, this feels a lot like the end of the usual suspects when the big reveal happens and you start putting all the pieces together that you've seen for the last couple of hours and just went, oh my God. That's how I felt because like we we literally rushed the FireEye story to press because we had very few details about it. And then every day from that point forward, we start finding out more things. You know, it wasn't just FireEye, it was actually SolarWinds. It was a nation state. It was them trying to hack in to figure out what's going on. Then you've got Microsoft saying they didn't, they got bit, but they weren't involved. VMware denying any involvement at all. Company names coming out of, of potential hackers. It's just like, this is one of those stories that it's gonna take months and months to unravel and years to resolve the impact of, because as people have said, this is absolutely the perfect way that you as an attacker should get into a company because we look back, this has been going on since March. Like we did not have any clue how deep they'd gotten in 
how much they knew, what their targets were. And now every domino just keeps falling one right after the other. And every one of these stories is just worse and worse news. I mean, these are the kinds of giant magnet stories that happen in a year that just dominate the news cycle. And, and we were doing the research for this story and it was basically, okay, what do we want to talk about that isn't related to the SolarWinds hack? And the answer right now is not much. Yeah, I mean, this this story is uh, just uh, wow. And I think for me, the most telling thing about this whole story is that uh, we're hearing this week, you know, the last week here in December, or last work week, we're hearing that many companies, it, basically the impact of the uh, exploit of SolarWinds Orion um, it, that left a lot of doors open, we're hearing that the impact may not be as bad as we initially thought simply because, and this is the most amazing thing, simply because the nation state that exploited it probably didn't have enough resources to hack all 10,000, 20,000 customers they could have hacked. So apparently they focused only on the best, juiciest uh, targets. And, uh, and, and we may have dodged um, one of the 20,000 bullets that uh, was fired from SolarWinds Orion. And if you think about how ridiculously insane it is that a nation state group for six months didn't have the resources to hack everybody because there were just too many targets. Um, well, I guess that sums up why this story is so important. Also, yeah. I mean, I think the most remarkable thing too here is it shows the challenge of our interconnected IT systems. I mean, uh, Orion is a, simply a, a monitoring uh, application. It's a, it's a decent monitoring application that a lot of people use because it freaking works and you know, blah, blah, you know. The fact that that thing got hacked and it opened the door to uh, potential serious exploits of everyone from government to military to industry, um, it just shows how interconnected we are. I think this is going to be a story that's going to come back um, in the future with uh, something else. You know, maybe a you know maybe somebody hacks into an operating system, a uh, you know storage array, network system, whatever, and um, you know maybe they're going to get in that way, or maybe they already have. We just haven't heard about it. But uh, welcome to 2020, folks. Yeah, maybe the silver lining for the end of this bookend is the fact that in a year where all of us felt overworked and stressed out and anxious about everything. So too did the people who were trying to take advantage of us, and it ended up giving us uh, maybe the perfect gift that we didn't know we needed. All right, well, that will wrap this episode of The Rundown, and it'll also wrap our episodes of The Rundown for 2020. Um, we want to thank you for tuning in. Uh, it's been a fun ride to, uh, to get everybody involved and engaged, uh, to kind of share the news with you every week. Um, Stephen and I have had a blast. So have our guest hosts and uh, everyone else here. Uh, the Rundown will be back on January the 6th. Stephen and I are going to take uh, some much-needed time to turn off our phones and not pay attention to the news for a couple of days. Uh, but we will be back with all the stories that happen sometime after Christmas when people are buying things on 50% discount. Uh, but in the interim, one of the things we recommend that you definitely want to do, check out all the stories that we are going to link in the show notes here because there's a lot of great stuff that you, you missed and you can go into a little bit of detail. Uh, make sure you head over to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash video if you're not already there. Uh, subscribe and get those notifications so that you'll know when our videos go live. Because remember, we don't just do the rundown. We have some great stuff uh, regarding uh, our podcast, regarding our conversational series. Um, and there's more great content headed your way in 2021, new seasons of the rundown. And 
of Checksum and of conversations and possibly even an unboxing video or two. Um, Stephen, any final thoughts for the, uh, the century that was 2020? Well, uh, that was a year, uh, that's for sure. But, um, you know, uh, I, I just want to say thank you to everyone who's been tuning in for the rundown for, uh, you know, these last few years. And, um, you know, I hope you've enjoyed it this year. Um, frankly, uh, you know, maybe our voices have given you somebody to listen to, somebody to talk to here while you've been uh, locked in at home from the from the COVID. And uh, hopefully you all can uh, continue to join us uh, as things loosen up in 2021. That's uh, that's my, my fervent hope. And I, I do want to say thank you very much to uh, the audience for tuning in every week. Uh, thank you for Rich Straffolino and Tom for starting the rundown uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, to Max Mortellaro, who stepped in uh, after Rich departed uh, Gestalt IT earlier this year. Um, and especially thank you to our newest member of the crew uh, on the other side of the camera. Um, Abby uh, is doing our video editing and audio editing and posting the podcasts and so on. Um, behind the virtual control panel. Abby, thank you for joining us here at Gestalt IT, and we look forward to a productive 2021 with you and with the rest of the Gestalt IT staff. So uh, everyone, thanks for joining us. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our annual rundown, uh, first annual rundown of the news, and uh, we will see you on January 6th, 2021 for the next episode of the rundown. And we hope that 2021 is a super sparkly year. Bye-bye, everybody.